Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Greg Berg, voice actor, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. You might hear me doing different voices like Dr. Brown from Back to the Future. Great Scott. Uh, Muppet Baby Fozzie Bear and Baby Scooter. Or maybe Casey Kasem. And to wind up the group of voices, Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith Show. Yep, that's me. You got it. Keep on listening. You don't know who you will hear next. Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. We hope you guys all had a uh, wonderful Christmas, a fantastic new year. And uh, we are now starting 2023 with a pretty awesome guest, yeah, wouldn't you say, Randy? Kicking it off with a bang. I would say so. Our, our guest today is a uh, not only a voice actor, but he's also, I don't know if impressionist is the word, a voice match for other celebrities, and he's so damn good at it. You've probably heard his voice on uh, shows like American Dad or Married with Children, Who's the Boss? Uh, I've seen him in Silver Spoons, uh, Revenge of the Nerds, you've Chippendales Rescue Rangers. The list just goes on and on, but he's probably best known as Huckleberry Hound from Yo Yogi, Igor from Transformers Dark of the Moon, He's probably most famously known as uh, being Donatello in Bebop and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon when uh, Barry Gordon had to step Mm -hmm. away for a time. And even more so than that, Baby Scooter and Baby Fozzie from The Muppet Babies. We welcome voice actor Greg Berg to the show. And damn, what a great conversation we had with him. It was amazing. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. Yeah, uh, it didn't go anywhere I was expecting it to, (laughs) but I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah, absolutely. Because those sometimes turn out to be the best conversations. Mm -hmm. The one that goes exactly like you have kind of scripted on paper, they're fun. They're great. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But the ones you don't expect, the ones that just take you down a whole different (laughs) road and leave you with a smile at the end of that road man that's what we have here for you today but before we cut over to that as always don't forget to find us on twitter at candarepod and on instagram at canned underscore air want to show some support and get some stuff back for said support on our website candarepodcast.com there's a patreon link and a merch link where you can get t-shirts mugs stickers uh, hoodies windbreakers beanies <laughs> ball caps all kinds of stuff and then our patreon page five to ten dollars a month gets you access to a catalog we've been building for a, what three years now Something anyway like that, yeah hours upon hours of content on there for you so if you're not getting your candare fix here that's where you're going to go next. Randy, what am I forgetting? And if uh, you don't have the money to support us, uh, you know, a like review on your podcast player of choice is always appreciated. Mm-hmm. And a uh, big shout out to Evergreen Podcast Network, evergreenpodcast.com. Check us out, all the other great shows. And a great network we're proud to be a part of. So let's just cut it over to our conversation with Greg Berg.
Greg, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the show with us tonight. It's awesome to have you here. The voice of uh, Fozzie, Scooter, Donatello, Bebop, and the list goes on, man. You're a voice acting legend. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. So how are you? How was your uh, Christmas, New Year's season? It uh, went by pretty quickly for me. I liked the solitude that I had. I, I guess because the uh, industry kind of slows up over the holiday and a lot of things closed down, so it gave me time to do stuff on my own. Yeah. And then I realized usually on, on New Year's, I usually start doing my taxes, and I just realized I never even did it yet. So <laughs> I guess I was having so much fun. Wow, that is being preemptive. I wish I could get uh, that earliest start of my yeah. taxes. I could, but there's a part of me that just... Right. No, it gets everything out of the way by doing it that way. I learned a long time ago. Yeah, we had a bit of solitude for Christmas ourselves because of the damn winter storm that came rushing through uh, Ohio here. So Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure you're used to Ohio's yo-yo weather where it's negative 14 wind chill one day and then 70 the next. I remember those days. <laughs> I, I left uh, in 1978 of uh, the summer of 78, and the winter of 78 was their massive uh, snow in and that they yeah. always refer to whenever they talk about how it's doing. My dad still does. Like <laughs> He still brings it up every time it snows. You should have seen 78. Well, you're, like, uh, you're in the... Uh, college town area right because yeah, i was up in akron and cleveland yeah okay all right so yeah you got lake effect you got it probably worse than we did here in columbus probably <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't there for that 78 so i, I did see the pictures of just mounds and mounds of snow yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got out while the getting was good i think so <laughs> <laughs> So okay, let's just start uh, when you were a child. I had heard you say in another interview that uh, from a very, very young age, you were uh, playing with different voices, doing impersonations. And I just was curious if you remembered any of the voices that you were playing with or any of the people you were impersonating. Well, as a baby, I was able to imitate other babies. And then it <laughs> took off there. But uh, then I, uh, uh, I guess in my... Uh, before turning 10 and all that, I uh, had relatives that had various accents and patterns of speaking. And for some reason, I tuned into that and uh, questions, I mean, as a kid, questions that arose were, uh, why do they talk like that? And I talk like this and we don't sound the same and all that. And so I just try to put it together to say, how can I talk like them or how can they talk like me? So I, I just was playing around with that and I wound up learning how to do uh, voices of people in my neighborhood because they, they did have uh, various personalities and accents. And uh, uh, so that worked up from doing relatives that uh, were in my family. Sometimes when uh, it was just a boring day, I would try to imitate one of the uh, relatives and act like they came over for a visit. And you know, the family, uh, my mom and dad or whatever, would hustle around to <laughs> clean up the place. And I, I said, no, it was just me. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and then that led to, I guess, in school, got to uh, when things got boring again, I would imitate different teachers I had. And uh, that was a lot of fun too. And then my playground at school was uh, when I was in uh, senior in high school. 
because I had to take a class that I missed in 10th grade. So they sent me to their 10th grade. I, I bounced around different high, high schools. So at my last high school, they put me into a class uh, of 10th graders. And here I was a senior. And so while I was there, I got to just play around with them as the audience and imitating the teacher and uh, doing silly things like that just to get and get out of boredom. So, yeah, uh, did voices like that at first. And then after a while, somebody said, you know, you can get paid for doing that. Uh, look at this person and that person, how they did, did it. And uh, it put a seed in my mind to take off and go to where they needed that. So here I am in Hollywood now. <laughs> and that, that journey to Hollywood, if I read correctly online, started with uh, getting into radio. Well, I was doing actually. I was getting into radio uh, as an outlet of uh, skill work and all this uh, in maybe the end of eighth grade, wow. uh, because I was a paper boy in town, and every once in a while I'd see a radio uh, car drive by. It had the radio station on the side of its doors on this car. And so when it was stopped at a red light, I said, Hey, you want a paper? And then I got chatting with the guy who was driving it. He turned out to be uh, the morning disc jockey at the local uh, radio station that a lot of people listen to. And from time to time, I'd give him a paper and then he'd let me come over to the station and visit if I ever wanted to. So I did that wow. and uh, hung around and then caught my uh, attention to want to do something like that. And I studied that in high school, a career course in radio in high school. After graduating high school, I applied at various radio stations. And at one time, I was working for all three of the radio stations in Akron, Ohio, in various capacities, which I'd never heard of before, or maybe didn't know I did that. <laughs> because at one station, I was a disc jockey. Another station, I was uh, producing radio talk shows. And the third station, I ran the audio for the Sunday night programs of wow. uh, various church meetings and all that. So, yeah, I, I was able to do that for a living until uh, I uh, hit 20. And then that's when I made my move to California and took it from there. <laughs> I mean, what do you do when you're in California and you graduated from high school and that's about it? And yeah. I said I had reading radio skills, but... Uh, I uh, was far from looking at getting a job at radio in L.A., but it would have been nice if I could have. So sure. yeah, I, I pounded the pavement, looking around uh, for something to do with what I could do. And one thing led to another where I told people I did uh, announcing or whatever I did with my uh, voice training. And then they brought up doing commercials or cartoons or acting or whatever I wanted to do. So the, Doors were open for me to jump in and apply my skills. Now, was that around the same time you joined Second City, or was that later in your career? Uh, at first, I found a workshop that you, you you had to introduce yourself and talk about why you wanted it, and that was with uh, a, a great comedy actor named Harvey Lembeck, and he was coaching uh, upcoming comedy character people. And I wanted to do that. If anything, if uh, I wasn't no Marlon Brando or uh, uh, James Garner or anybody like that, uh, I, I said I wanted to direct my work towards comedy. 
So I uh, studied with Harvey, and he passed away about two years into the program. That's just when I was getting primed to be able to walk and talk and act and all uh, for comedies. And uh, I said, now what do I do? And uh, I tried applying at some of the shows, but it turned out at that same time, a lot of comedy shows started to leave. Uh, they started, like Variety started dying off, and I wanted to be like a utility player in Variety, like Saturday Night Live, uh, gotcha. you know, being a character, and then whenever they needed it, you know, come on back and do it, and uh, maybe leave the stars of the show as the stars and be the guy in the background. So since all that was falling off, there weren't very many comedy shows at the time, or if there were, for people who like this story of... Uh, the comedy acting business in Hollywood. Uh, it went from silly characters like on Happy Days and Mork and Mindy to uh, more brainy comedies like Cheers or uh, Murphy Brown or Designing Women. It was based on the writing more than silly people. Gotcha. So I think that there's, there's nothing for me to go to because they just canceled Happy Days and Mork and Mindy and Laverne and Shirley. I said, what am I going to do? And he said, well, the coaches or people that I also were colleagues with and acting said, try commercials or cartoons. I said, okay, where do I go for that? And then I just followed the lines and did what I did. And eventually one job led to another. So that's kind of uh, my instructions to people who wonder the behind the scenes stuff, what, what it's like. And that's how I got to be this, you know, silly voices and all that that I do. One thing I had read online is that uh, you were at one point in a, a four man sketch comedy group that performed at the comedy store in Hollywood and I was wondering if you were able to tell us about that group at all. And do you remember any of the sketches you guys did? Oh, the good old days. I, I think I started working at the comedy store even before taking the comedy classes. Uh, wow. It was prime time of uh, that particular establishment when there were only two comedy places in town to go to. And so that was nearest me and the, uh, so I would uh, go there and uh, go on their open mic night. I didn't really want to be a stand-up comedian because I didn't like talking about myself and <laughs> or making things up about. But I, I did these characters still, and uh, it opened up to where the comedy store needed. Uh, they started a big improv train of groups that the owner put together to do improv in a different uh, section of the comedy store. So I said, yeah, I could do that. And I was also hired as an MC, where a lot of MCs just start the show doing their own act and then they lead into the other acts. But I said, well, I'm an MC. I can uh, announce the acts. Here's this person. Uh, this person did this, this, and this, and that's it. Uh, I, I didn't want to be a funny MC. <laughs> so I, I, I just wanted to stick to what I thought an MC was. So there I was emceeing, and then I was also put into one of the comedy work, uh, uh, working comedy groups. And that turned out to be with uh, myself and another improv player, and then two stand-up comics. And one of them happened to go on to be a pretty popular guy named Bill Hicks. Oh, wow. And uh, Yeah, so he, but he, that was his, his thing. I mean, we all had our stories. We all wanted to make it one way or another. And he took off in the stand-up area. 
Because, I mean, I don't think he did characters and all that. He, he probably would brush that kind of stuff off, mm. thinking, uh, I don't want to be somebody stupid. Because I know he was hired for a TV show pilot while we were uh, working together. And he, he kind of was like, I got to do this goofy character of some sort or whatever. And I don't think that was his way he wanted to be remembered or ever doing so I think but I did <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with that I just said what do I well they, 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 and that was what I grew up watching a lot of popular yeah. shows silly characters and uh, everybody had their own idea what they wanted to do and uh, that's uh, what I got into and then uh, so when I went to that training with Harvey Lembeck uh, and he died I said, what else can I do to keep the comedy going and learning? And Second City of Chicago happened to open up in Los Angeles, either as a test try or uh, trying to establish a new venue to, for, for their group. Mm-hmm. And so I joined in on that to study their style. And I can see where how Saturday Night Live was uh, formed and all that because of the, the way uh, of Second City structure. So yeah, we did workshops there, went through a variety of uh, popular coaches, and uh, then that ended at a point where they left L.A. They eventually came back, and then I think they just closed down recently for the pandemic. But then I said, okay, I, I want more of this. I was a big comedy performer uh, hound trying to get into that while I was here. And uh, so then they opened up something called the National Lampoon Comedy Workshop. Oh, wow. And I jumped over to that. I said, you know, I just came off of Second City. They said, yeah, come on in. And that coach happened to be Ryan Stiles, who was... Wow, uh, really? The Drew Carey show, sure. Uh, But, you know, who knew he was going to turn into that? But uh, I, I didn't know his background either. He didn't know mine. So he didn't know how much I, I desired to do kind of what he did and being a player in a comedy show. But uh, everybody had their own courses they were taking. So I did study and he was the coach. So, uh, you know, I had some good people uh, influence me. How freaking cool that is. I I love Ryan Styles, especially on like Whose Line Is It oh, Anyway, yeah. stuff like that. Great stuff. Yeah, funny guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I remember very well studying with him and uh, uh, many other coaches. So that build into what I do now because I think that was in the early 80s. And then uh, here I was auditioning for different cartoon characters, but the silliest one came up, which was Fozzie Bear for Muppet Babies. The town was full of a lot of performers of uh, past cartoons that were kind of in the higher uh, age range. Uh, uh, And I was a young guy here, new in town and all. By that time, I was about four years into living out here and uh, had little bites here and there. What I did uh, for comedy or for voicing and uh, everything came together for that particular character, being funny and silly and all that. And I said, that's what I do. And sure enough, it paid off. Were you, I'm I assuming you were able to pull a lot of your your training from kind of your your improv and stuff into that character too, correct? Well, that's that's the thing about doing voices that myself and uh, other coaches at all these different events for voiceovers uh, for beginnings, uh, we tell people study acting or improv or as much as you can, 
and because this is all about voice acting. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're out there doing our uh, tryouts for these different characters. Sometimes, you know, we've been through like a hundred different auditions per year or in a amount of time. You just have to understand what they're looking for and hopefully click. You know, they want somebody who knew what they were, uh, what the character was about and all that. But I, again, I, studying the characters, when they said it was a baby version of Fozzie Bear, I said, okay, he would be like this and that. And that's what I added to my tryout. And uh, that's what they liked. We're going to take a break to jump to a quick commercial, but don't go anywhere. More with Greg Berg when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. I have got to backtrack just a hair. I, maybe this was before Muppet Babies. Maybe this was during. But I had also seen that you had studied uh, under Dawes Butler. Oh, yeah. Once again, since the subject was I wanted to do voices, I said, well, just like when I was in Ohio and thought I want to do cartoons or acting, but I wasn't going to stay in Ohio. I wanted to go to to the source. Right. So I came in out here and I learned who were, who were the best coaches to go to and I seek them out. And, uh, and then I, when it came to voices, I said, I, I wonder if Dawes Butler teaches and word was that he did. And uh, whether he, it, yeah, it was teaching as well as coaching because I had just started Muppet Babies about that time. So I wanted to just get as much as I could with cartoons in town. I didn't want to just do the one show hopefully. And so I went to him to find out, I I learned ways to read copy and and how he changed his voices and all that. So he he gave me some coaching and I didn't do that as a workshop itself because he took me aside as a solo student, which he did as well, because he had a workshop as well and different people in voice voicing one would join. And then he'd uh, teach them uh, as a group read different scripts together and, and all that. But at, at that point, I was already into Muppet Babies because I even gave him a little Aussie doll when that. Oh, wow. <laughs> appreciation for it. Yeah. That's he kept so... it on his couch. So when they took pictures of his couch, he had a couch of, full of all his other characters. People gave him dolls of or that he worked with at one point or another. 
but they they had my Fozzie kind of stuffed in the corner whenever I see videos of it. Not so because <laughs> so, awesome. we didn't want to make it look like he did it. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I got to spend a lot of time with him too. So that's more of the training and all this that we're talking about here. I don't know what people really want to hear about. Uh, oh, I think people definitely want to open. hear about that. I mean, Dawes Butler, for people who don't know, voiced Yogi Bear, uh, Huckleberry Hound, not to mention, you know, a great majority of the Hanna-Barbera characters. Yeah, he was, he was the, uh, him and Don Messick together were the uh, stone pillars of that company. And I, that's what I grew up watching. And at the time, there was a lot of talk about, oh, you don't want to imitate those old, uh, older cartoons that you grew up watching because they already have the performers there. But as it turned out, after Dawes passed away, they brought in a new version of the Huckleberry Hound Show. They called it Yo-Yogi, and they brought all their characters together from all their older shows as uh, teenagers or young, young versions of it. So I tried out for that, only hoping to get a part of anything because I studied watching Dawes do his characters right. uh, in my little lessons there. So I tried out for a couple of things like Yogi Bear. I mean, I thought I could do Yogi Bear, and there he is as a teenager. What can I do? And uh, uh, But they hired a guy that... It was between me and another guy, I remember, I was told, because we both were there to, to go in and try for Yogi and maybe a couple others. The guy that got it was a full-time student with Dawes. Oh. So I was just thrilled that somebody got it that knew the characters and kept them alive. And then, so my version of Huckleberry Hound went like this. And he was a, a little old hound dog and just sat back and watched things happen and just comment on them like, well, there it goes again. You know, <laughs> and, and he laid back hound dog. And, uh, yeah, they said I, I was able to match close enough to what they were going for. And got hired as young Huckleberry Hound for Yo-Yogi. How cool, man. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, that I is really cool. When I heard that, I was just... Always, always thrilled when I think of that. As you should be. What that's so amazing. Well, only because it, it kept the characters and it came from the source and all that. Right. Because yeah, I've seen many of the other uh, production companies that had popular cartoons get revived, and a lot of the people have been imitating the characters compared to maybe acting as the character. But the ones that did get on some of these other shows, yeah, they, they were constantly being picked to come back and recreate characters of the, those shows. So I don't know that particular process, what went on there. I never met Mel Blank, and there's loads of people who can talk like Bugs Bunny or any of the, his characters. And uh, there's a, at least a number of them that do that. So they rotate every once in a while. But for the uh, Hanna-Barbera characters, when they wanted it uh, exact, I'm so happy they went to myself and the guy who did Yogi, which was Greg Burson, who's no longer with us. But we were both students of Dawes. Yeah, who better to have than than Dawes' students? Oh, yeah. I mean, but I I looked at him as, you know, the god of voices. (laughs) And uh, so if he can whip me into shape, uh, all the better. But 
I at least can say that guy uh, led the way for me and inspired me, and I'm here today doing this. You already mentioned uh, Muppet Babies and voicing Fozzie, and you you know also uh, Scooter. And what a, I mean, not that I need to tell you, but I mean, damn, what a hit of a show this was. Several Emmys it mm-hmm. won. I mean, it was a huge part of my childhood. Oh, I'm my sure too. yours as well. Uh, many people's out there. I just wonder if uh, you could elaborate a little bit on your time uh, voicing these characters and uh, like how much involvement did Jim, Jim Henson actually have in the show? Well, the show went about seven years mm-hmm. and we got four daytime Emmys uh, in a row that goes to the director or the producer and all that. So this was before these days where there's all kinds of uh, Emmys for animation and young uh, viewer animation compared to older characters or or whatever they divided them into. So I hear people saying, hey, I got an Emmy for this. They say, well, (laughs) our show got the Emmy and they didn't give us any little side thing so I'm still part of a well look at Jack Nicholson he never won an Oscar so yeah as great as some people are they uh, don't get acknowledged one way or another or they didn't have something like that but nothing I get concerned with I, I didn't see myself as a competitor because uh, all these people that come out of the woodwork saying I can do that boys I can do that so I mean, when they needed the Muppet Baby versions, uh, that came off of the movie Muppet Take the Muppets Take Manhattan, and right. they needed people to uh, imitate, uh, or not imitate, but be as close to the characters. Uh, and and here you are working with Muppets that are uh, actual characters, so it's not people just doing silly voices with puppets. And then you had to somehow create your version to make it sound as close to that, the originals. So that's kind of what they were looking for. They they had a segment in Muppets Take Manhattan of them as babies. And uh, that's what gave them the idea, let's uh, do something with that. And they animated them and needed people to sound like them at a young age. And so, again, I had the age working for me at the time. And uh, went in, and uh, they showed me all the different characters they were looking for. So for Fozzie, I said, uh, well, my Fozzie Bear is like this, waka, waka, waka. And I tell the jokes and everything. And then uh, they said, so now he's a baby. So at that point, I can tweak my voice to to be a little higher. Uh, Like I say, that might have been some 30 years ago, uh, 35 years ago or more. So I kind of made him really tight and made him uh, very bright and kind of like uh, he doesn't know what he's doing, but it's still funny. (laughs) And uh, for Scooter, the actual Scooter was Richard Hunt, and he kind of made Scooter like this in all the Muppet uh, show, uh, the shows where he's like stage manager going, five more minutes, Miss Piggy, and you're on. So I said, well, maybe you could be a little kid like this and... uh, yeah. And then they said, well, you know, he was kind of whiny, so that kind of got on some people's nerves, but that's what made him what he was. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's go and do this. Or he wasn't that whiny, but it sounded that way. And he always worked on the computer writing jokes for Fozzie. So uh, <laughs> that's how that voice came about. And uh, because that, again, was just my creation of what he would sound like compared to be as close to like Kermit as you could or to make right. sure everybody knows who Fozzie as a kid. 
So, yeah, uh, and so Jim was in charge of the show itself overall, and he would give notes to the director. So if there's anything we're doing as actors, the director would bring it up. But I can't even think of anything uh, like that. I, I guess Jim said, yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> and then the director just says, okay, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, it went on and on. And uh, that's that's what I know about that part of the show. <laughs> I got to say, the hair on our arms is still standing up from you doing those voices. It's incredible to hear uh, them again. Brother, they're all living with me still and uh, always uh, attentive to anything that happens. Uh, and I might make a comment out loud as the character, almost like they're they're with me and telling me, hey, did you see that? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I might say, hey, that'd be a good joke for Fuzzy, right? Oh, yeah, let me try it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, just have our own little uh, get-together here. But like compared to these guys that are doing hundreds and hundreds of shows, <laughs> I mean, everybody has... I know for a video game called EverQuest, I was I did about 22 characters. And I said, yeah, I think I can handle that pretty well. Uh, let's get their different personalities and all that. But then they threw to me, well, they're all British. <laughs> so I said, oh, okay. So how to make each British uh, character different. So, yeah. Uh, and that's what I love about this business. It's very creative and uh some people don't know I've done all uh, that we're all talking about. We're talking about the highlight shows that I've done, but I've, I've provided voices for uh, uh, unnamed characters in movies, mm -hmm. uh, TV shows, commercials. So this thing uh, goes deep. I mean, we list most of the main shows we can on uh, the databases for different shows that are out there. Because you have the Ninja Turtle uh, wiki uh for just Ninja Turtle news and uh, right. there's the Muppet, uh, uh, the Muppet sites for uh, questions people ask about Muppets. I guess Muppet Central is what it's called where you can write in and if I, I happen to check I might answer some of the questions people had because they do ask like the Muppet Baby's coming back and then I tell them what uh, transpired or why they're not on DVDs uh, things question. like that so yeah. i had a chance yeah man i feel like if we were to walk past your front door on, on a particular <laughs> evening we might hear fozzy and scooter in there uh, <laughs> having uh, a conversation well, well i'm i'm I'll, i'm trying to work on something new each time so i a friend of mine every time i call him he'd say okay who do you do new now because <laughs> i i do sound alike as well and some of them are obscure and some uh are popular i mean uh John Travolta, I was doing uh, just as, uh, again, another comedy character whenever I, because uh, uh, he was on Welcome Back, Cotter doing his sure. Vinnie Barbarino character, for those who remember. <laughs> and because uh, a lot remember him from Grease or another shows and different characters. But I did a, a little takeoff of the Vinnie Barbarino character, uh, kind of mixed with John Travolta's actual voice. And uh, one day I was in a recording studio just watching, and uh, this jockey came in who was new in town and said, I'm going to be doing a new show, and I want some silly voices and all this to interact uh, on the show. So I was just there to watch, and other people there were part of this workshop that was there that they needed cheering and all that, so they did all that for the guy. 
And then I got up. I said, I'm just here to watch, but I used to do this kind of stuff, like I mentioned in Ohio when growing up. So he says, well, do something. So I started to go, hi, this is John Travolta, and uh, somebody kind of tell me where I am. <laughs> and, then, and then he says, who else do you do? Because other people there did voices too. So I was like just standing back and watching them in awe. Uh, they were doing like Nixon and popular characters of the day or older uh, characters, Jack Benny or you know Rodney Dangerfield at the time. Right. So I was doing like John Travolta, and I, I was like, and then there's Christopher Lloyd, who's on Taxi, <laughs> and Jim uh, Nignatowski. And so I would throw things like that out. He says, give me a call next week when his show started. So it turns out that guy is now Rick Dees, who came out with the big hit uh, Disco Duck back in the 70s, Holy which I used shit, to play when really? I was a disc jockey. Yeah, I was a disc jockey, and I even used to play his uh, records. And it was pretty uh, funny because not even knowing I was going to come to Hollywood, when I was playing his record, uh, every once in a while I'd say the same thing about it. I'd go, Ruth Dees and his cast of idiots. I ought to be one of them. <laughs> and so I ought to be one of them. And sure enough, then dreams came full true. circle. <laughs> I, yeah. So here I was, uh, you know, so I did this character. I'd call in each week and I'd say something like, uh, I, I'd do jokes that I might have heard on the Tonight Show or something because I, I wasn't a joke writer at the time, but I knew how to deliver. So I'd call up. He says, how's it going, John? And and then I'd say, well, I was on a date last night and the girl asked me if I want to go in the back seat. And I said, no, I want to stay in the front with you. <laughs> <laughs> So we did stupid, I mean, very stupid things with that voice. And then we were saying it was John Travolta because he said, hey, you know, John Travolta's calling us. And all. So as it turned out, the story behind that was he heard from somebody or somebody told him not to call him John Travolta because people were probably thinking it was really John. Sure. And uh, and so he says, let's just call him John Revolting. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, whatever. And, uh, just divert and thinking it's Travolta, right? So, right. so we called him John Revolting, and I wound up being a regular on his show uh, when he was on a, a local AM station. But then he got a break to go to an FM station, which knocked the socks out of uh, LA from the '80s to 2000. And he was on there for 20 years. I was still with him for 20 years, calling in as John. But then I also told him how, how I did the other characters. So I'd be able to call in and do something original or do an imitation of somebody and uh, who might have been in the news. And so uh, he said, you know, keep calling in if I want. So he hired me to be one of his regulars. And he took me around to various sites that he would do uh, public appearances at. From the L.A. Forum, he helped open the show, a New Year's Eve show with Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. And he said, Greg, come on up with us here to do that character. So I, I dressed up in like a... 70s leisure suit and chains and <laughs> slick my hair back and all that and I uh, would appear with him whenever he asked so we did this LA forum for 18,000 people where I got to 
uh, do it in front of my mom and dad, who I invited out to watch. And uh, we did that venue. We did the main stage at Disneyland Space Mountain. Wow. Uh, he invited me to Hawaii, but I couldn't break away to, from my day jobs back then. Otherwise, I'd be looking for more work. But uh, I said, yeah, I can't make it. I can't make it. He goes, Greg, it's a free trip to Hawaii. I said, I know. But uh, that's the what happens in your early stages of show business. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he did uh, Santa Anita Racetrack, just any big-time places. And uh, I got to appear with him doing that. And then he included me on a record album he came out with called Hurt Me Baby, Make Me Write Bad Checks. And uh, <laughs> there's a segment there where it's just John Rolfing talking, uh, you know, about his day, uh, doing these kind of jokes. So, yeah, I, I had so much fun doing all this stuff. And so that, yeah, it, it, when we were just talking about doing voices in general and things that people don't know that I do. Right. And sometimes people will say, oh, I didn't know you did that. I'm like, well, I, I didn't keep track of everything on uh, on paper, but uh, if I remember it, I'll add it later. Um, like, here's here's a really obscure one, because I, I deal with uh, just anything. If I come up with a character that's wacky. Or, yeah, so I was doing like, uh, I don't know if you know who Emo Phillips is, but uh, being in the comedy business, Emo's a, a inside comic to the other comics very creative guy but he hasn't been seen lately but he's i think he's right. been opening up weird al yankovic I, oh, wow. I don't know if you knew him. no you know no him. i've heard the name but i'm not yeah. aware of the comedy no yeah so i, I i'm not gonna like, uh present him uh to you guys because it's it's just one of those things that if something fits like gilbert godfrey a lot of people oh, uh, wow. know the voice gilbert. but they didn't know what it is so, yeah, I mean, I, I played around with that voice because he's in comedy. And uh, it wound up coming out like this. This is Gilbert Godfrey. And I'm always yelling at people. I don't know. I don't do it on purpose, but I do it. And that's, that's what they want to hear. That's all. <laughs> and it's damn good. Bravo. So good. Oh, wow. Thanks so much. But it's like, you know, these obscure voices that I do do, uh, nobody, uh, oh, he said do-do. Uh, these obscure voices that I can do, uh, some people uh, that are really have to get them, like the emo stuff. I tried yeah. emo at a club once after he became more famous uh, than he was now. Uh, and I was doing the voice, and they said, who's that? I said, it's emo Phillips. They said, yeah, but who is it? So some people aren't into that generation of remembering it but comedians would know who he is because he's fixture in the comedy world mostly sure. but uh yeah i mean oh so my my friends would say you know who who do you do now so i'm always working on uh, voices here and there or just uh whatever people need for a show that says we have this radio guy that's supposed to be on the show that we're watching and, and uh, they won't see it so can you do a radio voice and i i do what i do and that's how I work. <laughs> there was an interview I heard you do where you were telling um, the person that was interviewing you about how you got your voice bit on that episode of Who's the Boss? I believe a Christmas episode. And your Tony Danza match was, it put me on the floor. How, like, I couldn't t tell the difference. Oh, yeah. You know, Tony was like this uh, back 
back then because he was playing like the boxer or whatever. He was a boxer before he became an actor. Now he sings and dances. <laughs> so, yeah, a super guy, super guy. But that, that's another thing, you know, with what I do. Uh, some people don't know I do multi-voices, and if, if I do, they go, oh, well, we didn't see this voice on your list, so we didn't know you could do it. I said, I, there's some voices I didn't put on there, but other people say, oh, you got to promote. Well, I'm up to 100 voices or more as far as uh, sound-alikes or close to if they want a character. Mm-hmm. And like I say, some of them are, are obscure, maybe to inside uh, hip people, that, uh, just like Sam Kinison. I don't know how many people <laughs> other than... Uh, people in comedy would uh, know or the nightclub crowd that knew Sam. Oh, I know but Sam I, I, for sure, yeah. I knew Sam, yeah, and I knew him uh, when I was working at the comedy store. He oh, gave wow. me a ride. But yeah, uh, and plus he knew Bill Hicks from Texas, so they were hung around a lot. So when I say to somebody, uh, I heard they needed Sam Kinison in a movie or something like that, and they hired somebody, and I said, good for them, but you know, I do Sam. And I told it to another comic as well, and they said, I knew Sam, and that's him. <laughs> so uh, basically, I, I just basically say, hey, this is Sam Kinnison, and uh, you're listening to uh, shows. And, uh, uh, if, if you come to one of my shows, make sure you hold your ears, because I scream! Oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that is so good. That is damn good. Wow. There's a lot of people out there. Like I said, you got the people that do the other cartoon imitations. I have my little troop of things and always adding to them. So, yeah, that's what I do for fun and uh, hope enough people uh, need something like that and keep me rolling. We're going to take a break to jump to a quick commercial, but don't go anywhere. More with Greg Berg when we come back. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Is there any way, and I, I had no, I had not planned on doing this, but I had read online that you had, uh, you have matched this guy before, and just hearing you talk, I can hear it in your voice. But could I do a request really quick? Could, <laughs> sure. Could I hear you say in the voice of Casey Kasem, "Here's your long distance request and dedication." Hi, this is Casey Kasem, and this is your long distance request and dedication. 
Holy shit. Jesus. <laughs> that is amazing. And the funniest thing is, when I first moved out here and wanted to do this, they said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do commercials. So if I did a commercial, like, and now here's a Milky Way bar that you're just going to love. Just bite into it. And, t- and, uh, and so they said, well, it sounds great. And plus, you sound like a young Casey Kasem. Yeah. And I said, oh, good. I have hit the jack, but I'm going to work. And they said, no, because right now Casey's on all, <laughs> every other commercial and cartoons and the radio and all that. And so they didn't want that anymore. And I said, well, okay, then I'll just be original again and change my voice not to sound too much like him. And uh, ever since then, when I I tell people, well, if you need Casey Kasem, I could do this. But it's been 40 years. I've never once been asked to sound like him for either Shaggy, which was his prominent uh, known cartoon, or any commercials to say, do Casey in the background or something like that. And that is what really gets me, because all the time I was always being told that. Now, another announcer, a little did you know, was uh, Barry Gordon, who was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Donatello, and Bebop. Right. And he, 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 I'm a, a little bit younger than he is. And when they needed somebody to sound like him, they needed somebody to sound like him, and they came to me. <laughs> and I was like, well, I didn't even hear that part. But they said they needed uh, his character for Donatello because he, at the time, was committed to the show, but then he was also committed to being president of the Screen Actors Guild, right. who needed him for meetings and such. So he couldn't show up for the recordings of the Ninja Turtles. So I auditioned for it, and uh, I did the... Uh, voice in the audition and basically i said this is uh barry as i hear him and uh then you know he does whatever he does for the uh character in the show so i i got the call that said yeah you're you're gonna be his voice ultimate that we need and uh they kept it for the show and then uh, of course the bebop is uh oh he's really stupid and uh new yorker you know, so uh, again, I think Barry's from New York. I'm I'm originally from Brooklyn, so I knew the different uh, styles of uh, talking with the New York accent, right? Uh, because many different boroughs there. But yeah, so I picked up on what Barry would do and did it. And uh, but again, prior to the Ninja Turtles, something else Barry worked on. I remember getting called for, and uh, I said, I guess I sound like Barry if I. Yeah. <laughs> do it this way, but never Casey Case. And I did meet his daughter too. It, well, it, this is another story. At the same place I met Tony Danza doing Andy, I had a little routine in my act. Uh, I was doing a charity and uh, throwing out different voices to the people who were watching. And Casey was in the audience with his wife. And so my I did like a Casey Kasem joke. I said, because oh, in the back of my mind, I was like, should I do it? Should I not? I said, well, he's, he's there. Uh, it's, you know. And sometimes when you do the voices of somebody and so well, they don't even know you're sounding like them. So he, he wouldn't have got it. So I had all that going on in the back of my mind. 
And I said, and then Casey Kasem would be great uh, hosting this kind of show. And I said, hi, this is Casey Kasem, and we'll be right, we'll be this right after back. <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, whatever I did there, you know, sort of later on after the show was over, he and his wife came up to shake my hand. Then uh, she says, Casey, tell him to uh, some of that stuff you did when you used to announce records. Uh, and he's like, oh, no, there's nothing good. Uh, so he was very shy about that part. But she said, no, say something like uh, that he can do it. And so he said something like, uh, here's the stacks of wax that will take you back. I'm Casey. Casey. <laughs> so I said, oh, that's cute. But I, I couldn't think of where to use it. So then years later, I met his daughter, and I said, a lot of people said I sounded like uh, your dad if I do this. Because being raised in Ohio, Casey was from Michigan, uh, Detroit, I think, uh, or in that area. <laughs> and so uh, I met his daughter, and I, I said, people say you sound like him, but and she goes, oh, do him, do him. And so I did it. And then she goes, that's my dad. And I, I'm like, well, that's a pretty good seal of approval. I would <laughs> yeah, say so. Damn. Yeah. damn. I, I still never been called to do it, so I just do it as a comedy character now. <laughs> I do. Because then, if I want to do Shaggy, I'm on a school, do that kind of thing. But never had the opportunity, so I don't know who's out there uh, who has the pull to say at least bring him in and, and compare and see what we can do. But that's the art of, it's a whole other art of doing voice indications and all that. Because there are some people that are great out there too that I, I think are pretty great. But then there are those who come up to me at the conventions saying, hey, I do Fozzie too. And uh, he talks like that. And I'm like, well, you got some work to do on it. But uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, do what you, you know, do what you can. Because I, I remember, uh, uh, when I was watching the movie Lord of the Rings and Golem came on, sometimes a voice will hit me. And so when I heard that voice, when there was a, a pause in the movie, I said, Golem, don't like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then the people in the audience kind of like, did you hear that? <laughs> and uh, uh, it was way before everybody else can go, because I, I, I hear even from the guy, Andy Circus, who does him like, uh, says there's some people out there doing way better than he does. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that's the fun I have with the art of, uh, you know, it's sometimes like a, a movie or something needs to re-record the dialogue of an actor here or there that might have passed away. And they'll say, we need somebody to sound like them so we can keep the whole movie. And so they bring in somebody like me for that as well. So I do cartoons, commercials. You know, I, I've been at this 40 years professionally, so your audience might have heard me somewhere. Oh, there's <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, this goes way back because some people might not watch cartoons. They might just watch movies. Or Back in the year 1999 to maybe 2002, I was a voice in a commercial that they ran constantly on cable for Kiko Man Teriyaki Sauce. And they had uh, a claymated character called Kiko Man, and he would say, you know, today I'm going to show you how to make a great dinner using Kiko Man teriyaki sauce. And then it would show, uh, my family shows up, and it was all claymated. And uh, I did it for three years. They had the picture of the guy and uh, little advertisements next to the product. And then one year they said, Greg, we're not going to do it anymore. 
And I said, why not? And I was told they just had a new president uh, for the company come in, and he didn't think animation and food should mix together. Mm. And I thought, well, that worked for the Pillsbury Doughboy, didn't it? <laughs> and, <laughs> I would uh, say. He, he was around for yeah, 20 years at least. And, but then around that time, a lot of commercials that had talking characters in it like that for food uh, started disappearing. The, the, the Doughboy to this day, I think, just giggles. And uh, yeah. uh, some of these characters don't even say anything. They just show up and <laughs> wave or something. But if they're going to keep them. How about the hamburger helper glove? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he literally just yeah. waves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So somebody, um, the word must have got around or somebody just said, but for them to all kind of drift away, uh, again, it's a time of advertising uh, where they come up with a different idea. Because in, in the 1980s, I was a voice of the, uh, there was a honey drop that called the golden drop of honey for golden graham cereal and for that particular product they did four years at a time of different uh, approaches and once they showed a steamboat and sang uh, steamboat uh, era type banjo songs or something to sell sure. the cereal but then they came up with this idea for you know character it was a honey drop that might even be floating around on a skateboard or something wearing sunglasses or whatever what they do, but you think, yeah, uh, they they're trying to come up with a new character like all the other old days of Tony the Tiger and uh, um, Quick Draw McGraw used to be on Sugar Smacks and all that. So as time went on, they came up with this Honey Drop character. It's on YouTube now. Some of them that I did, uh, where uh, it was promoting the Olympics, so it was a big thing. He was oh, wow. jumping over and things like that. So, yeah. So I did things like that, but that's why I say some people might have remembered that growing up and said, yeah, where is that guy? And here I am doing what I do now. And doing it damn well, man. This no, is, I, I understand so myself. I, I, when it gets boring here, I just have a good conversation with all these things. <laughs> <laughs> Try new things. And that's just it. Yeah, pe uh, yeah, or people would, I mean, <laughs> there's so many things that I do to keep myself entertained and creative with this stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I don't know whether Dawes do this, but I know some voice people that do that. Like when they used to get a lot of uh, crank phone calls or uh, people, telemarketers, they would answer, you know, like old people and saying, I can't hear you, call back. You know, <laughs> just mail to me. I used to hear that. That what they did for fun. <laughs> Even yeah, the only people in the world like glad it. to see a telemarketer call would probably have to be a voice actor, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> or else people hire you to do that. I was once hired by a guy, uh, but he was a friend, so we just did it uh, to answer his phone machine when they were popular. And I answered like John Travolta. He said, do this. And I said, it, that, that was about the turning point for where I had uh, realized that these voices are so right on that they might fool people thinking we are the, these people. Cause that's when oh, I had yeah. to stop saying I'm so-and-so and, you know, cause there are legalities in commercials. You got to say uh, celebrity voice impersonate. And now I think they have to say that at the beginning of the commercial instead of at the end. Hmm. So uh, when I was just playing around with voices, I, I, so I did his machine as John Travolta answering the phone. I said, right now we're doing some disco steps. We can't come to the phone. 
And and the, he had a hundred calls at least <laughs> from people calling his girlfriends calling saying, You know him, can you tell him to call me? You know, <laughs> so part of, I got the results and I said, you know, I, I'm a pro at this now. I don't I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I would say so, around. yeah. I mean, if you called me talking like Tony Danza, you'd have me hook, line, and sinker. I'd, I'd buy it right away. I mean, it wasn't close. It was exact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. If I need money, I'll uh, come up with a voice and call and say, please donate or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode of Can Dare with Tony Danza, and we'll, that one will be none the wiser. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, the different people I talk with, I, you know, some people go way back with the older people. They say, oh, you sound just like that the guy from the past. And, you know, it just depends uh, what they need. If I can do it, I tell them I do it. If not, I said I could try or I just can't, I can't do it. I mean, there's many voices I can't do. Like none of the Warner Brother characters that I tried for, <laughs> I didn't book. So, uh, but that's Warner, that's those particular characters but uh like i said I, with a record of so many years doing this uh on, on in a movie i was the voice of Kiefer sutherland that they uh, needed or on the, the tv show american dad i was his dad's voice <laughs> oh nice because they did a flashback to the late 60s so they said can you do donald sutherland uh in the 60s from this particular movie so i did it and then I got the job, but uh, yeah, it just depends what they need uh, voice-wise, and that's why I'm happy to be on the show and just discuss what I do, and maybe people hear about it and get some ideas, uh, or maybe they're working on something that I hear that from time to time from the people that used to watch Muppet Babies as kids. They're now growing into being a producer or a, a cartoon creator, and would say, "Hey, can you come in and do our?" character for us and so that they got just from hearing me on some other show kind of like cool, i mean how many voice actors have we had on the show quite a few quite but a few yeah there are not that many i'm hard pressed to think of any other really that can do the voice matching on top of having that talent the, like the you range do. of voices like if, yeah you know you get the voice actors that can do like one voice and they kind of sound pretty close together but mm -hmm. yeah i mean to go from john travolta to casey yeah. to, so gilbert godfrey yeah. to sam kennison i mean come well, on and put, a, put us on the floor that's why i wear the straight jacket just, uh, <laughs> when, when, I, when i was growing up my ambition was to one day become a crowd and uh, <laughs> I, think I, do, I think i do enough of them to be one yeah, um, i was gonna say you've got to be there right yeah but it's one of these jobs that uh, I have fun talking about only because not many people did that as I was growing up. And now you do have many people wanting to get into the business. Maybe they just want to do commercials. That's fine, too. So I'm I, I'm just talking about what I do uh, for those interested. And one day, I mean, I've been hired by a college to talk to uh, uh, not hired because it's a friend of mine worked there in counseling and. A couple of people wanted to do voices, and this was in the middle of Ohio. And where do you go to learn that? So since he knew me, I had a talk with them and kind of did my motivational speech to them. And both of them are just inspired to do the voice business now that they heard from somebody who did it. Wow. I just said, well, I'm turning this now into something I'm embarking on lately for the new year. I've been playing around with it, uh, but couldn't do it during the pandemic. 
is uh, if I get hired by anybody to do uh, public speaking, uh, they can have me come in and talk about my work. But I wanted to tie it in to inspire the audience, not just show off and all that, or maybe just educate them in voices. I want to help them by telling them how they can follow any goal they want and achieve it. So basically just say you can do whatever you want. Uh, it's easier than you think. So I talk about this kind of stuff, about my voices and all that. But then I say, okay, now what do you want to do? And whether they want to do voices, I can tell them that, different steps. Or if they just say, I, I always wanted to, you know, work at a, uh, in Hawaii doing, you know, selling surfboards or something. I said, right. well, this is how you do it. And uh, this comes from how I learned. And so I figured if, if I was able to do this, you, you're able to do what you need to do as long as doesn't get too involved like building a rocket or something like that. But uh, it's somewhere that people can, uh, you know, use my uh, talents and abilities to uh, help their groups as well. So hopefully maybe somebody listening would like to have me as a speaker and talk about this and that. That's I'm sure the other things that come with it. Well, yeah, because you brought up how, you know, it's hard to find some of these voice people, but, you know, there's people out there teaching people how to knit. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we have a, a, a seminar each week or something like that. So I talk about how people can set goals and show them how they can do it. Compared to motivational speaking, that that is where they pay somebody to get up and say, and uh, this thing started happening and it was great. And this, well, what I do is more transformational coaching where I tell them, did you do this? Did you do that? And if you're not, this is what you need to do and all that. So it's not just coming up there and then getting them all cheery and all that. And, right. Uh, this is, you know, you have a little notepad with you and write these steps down. Do this, this, and this, and you're going to get what you want. And hopefully people want to go that far and take these notes to, to say how they can do it. Yeah, it's, it's a great uh, world to be in. And I appreciate I the other so. people, too. Like I say, there weren't many people that did this back when I was growing up, and now at the conventions, people come up and say, hey, I, I imitate my uncle or something like that. That's how I started. And it started sounding like fun trying another thing. But it was just yeah, my motivation, not, not somebody telling me to do that. Nobody said, oh, if you can imitate people, you can get paid for that. Because sometimes, uh, like I saw an interview with Rich Little, and uh, he had said he rarely gets called in to do voice matching. He's done it for a couple of things, but they thought of him as a comic when they hear his name. So they thought he'd be silly and all that. Well, with me, mine's a, a study where I study these people. I give you what you're looking for because this is what I, I pick up from. And, and again, this is part of the teaching uh, or coaching when it comes to doing voices. Uh, it's not just doing the silly voice. It's acting. Right. That's where it all came from. <laughs> What a cool career to freaking have. One, thank you for yeah. <laughs> doing all that, telling us that and showing us some of those voices because, damn, you put us on the floor of that. Um, well, you know, if I had a good writer, I'd do a half hour of nothing but these voices. But then again, I didn't want people to say, oh, he's a silly voice uh, comic or something. I, I, I sure. say I'm a voice comic when I go on stage because I do you know, these voices in silly situations and all that. 
but uh, for some reason, you know, I should be doing more. I feel on on TV even or uh, behind the scenes with, with these voices. But thankfully, I, I packed some good projects on my resume with working with Oliver Stone or Michael Bay. So right. uh, Jim Henson, The Simpsons, these are my strongest credits. So, you know, I'm here. It's just uh, connecting with the people that uh, need what I do. Somebody like yourself, who's uh, been in the business for, like you said, over 40 years, you know, the television and film has evolved so much over the years, uh, you know, not only with cable coming to town, but then obviously the internet and then streaming services. And then even COVID, you know, changed kind of the way we uh, get movies and stuff. Again, someone like yourself who's been in the business for so long and been there watching these uh, stages of evolution happen. What do you think about how TV and film have evolved? Do you think it has ended up in a good place or do you feel like there's something lost? What's your opinion of the medium today? Well, I'm coming from a standpoint as a character comedy actor. And I saw, as I mentioned, I saw back uh, in the early 80s when I was studying comedy to hopefully be on a, a variety show, right. being, you know, the guy in the background that there, there might be a restaurant scene. I'd be the waiter that comes in and gets the tablecloth stuck in my belt or something like that and walk away. <laughs> so doing the silly stuff. But then uh, back then, that's when variety, some people put a nail in the coffin saying it died. And they tried bringing it back with the Rosie O'Donnell doing the variety show, and that didn't get good ratings. But maybe it depends who's doing it or what they, people want to see. Uh, I wouldn't mind watching popular singers do about five songs throughout a show and then do sketches in between. Sure. But that, I'm coming from this, you know, comedy acting, character acting background because, uh, again, it's a big ball of wax discussing cartoons. I mean, cartoons, like I said, they used to say, don't, don't imitate other other famous people. And then now they're looking for people to yeah. replace them. <laughs> so uh, I'm just making my point as an uh, actor uh, saying how I've seen it change. I don't know whether it's evolving because when it really comes down to, I wanted to even be in a good comedy movie like Mel Brooks and Woody Allen did right. or Monty Python. And many of those stopped being seen after 2000 uh, because uh, uh, they got a little bit raunchier or blue. Um I heard a good one since then was Bridesmaids, but there are some things in there that uh, you probably put in there for laughs uh, for the situation. But I'm I'm a simple comedy guy saying do it as a character without having to say something shocking. Uh, coming like from Jack Benny or from you wouldn't see him do that. Uh, Abbott and Costello, the Marx Brothers, you know, so. Uh, that's what my core was to learn from. And so when somebody said, oh, do this, and then uh, then you walk by and then you, you pull your pants down. I'm like, well, that's not funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I say, yeah, I, I do something where, like, uh, the pants get ripped off, but then you're wearing underwear with hearts on them or something like that. <laughs> well, it's funny. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and I've... Uh, but again, so Variety uh, died, so those places that I could have... Uh, uh, been great on uh, aren't around as much or anymore, and comedy movies uh, 
we hardly see a really good one. I go back. Yeah. I think the last good one I saw was uh, with the Wayans brothers doing the uh, killer ones. Uh, oh, uh, sc- uh, scary movie. Movie. Scary movie. Yeah, scary movie. yeah. Uh, it, it was funny. You know, yeah. it's really, you know, they, they might get the, uh, the the killer calling on the phone and the person's like, speak up, please. <laughs> you know, and I'm, <laughs> this is my voice. This is how I sound. No, talk a little louder, you know. <laughs> so stuff like that it just uh, makes you feel relaxed in the uh, in what's going on. So, and I have seen some very popular comedy actors from when I was growing up, which I haven't seen for a while. And I would see them like at a convention, and I'd say, "Hey, you're not in any of these latest movies." They said, "I haven't found anything funny." I mean, they send them scripts and say, "Oh, this would be funny if you did that." And they'd say, "No." <laughs> And uh, so they turned them down, so it ruined their kind of career a bit. So I'm, I'm on the side of that. That there's, there's, we we need to really. Like, I love the Zucker Brothers too coming back. Oh yeah, with all those things. So uh, so that's what I look for uh, to uh, have seen anyway. And the evolution. I mean, when you talk about yeah you know, movies lately and all that, that's how I I'm looking at it. So I don't know the sense. business behind it. And, because you know, they're they're putting on new shows on uh, streaming left and right, and you're seeing some of the newer ones are just already canceled after a week or whatever. So you know, that's whatever they want to do with that. I I just want to give somebody a good laugh uh, doing what I do, or just being a character. You know, the Martin Short stuff and Father of the Bride and things like that. You know, character stuff. Right. I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but it, it's you know, it's always interesting to ask uh, people like yourself. Who have been in the business that question because the answer always comes through a little bit differently but at the same time there's always familiar things touched right. on in everybody's response you know what i mean so um well it's fun too well i i grew up like i mentioned uh setting with the best of the best for second city comedy uh national lampoon i used to listen to the national lampoon radio hour that they used to have uh, back in my day and uh it had a lot of the people from SNL on it before SNL. And I said, that's funny. I want to do that or whatever. And uh, so that's when I see projects or even if I'm doing a, an improv group or something like that, hopefully it's with great people that know the business of that uh, and want to do something funny instead of just do something spontaneous that isn't funny. Because I even remember, uh, I got so much to talk about here. That's why I, I, I can address this to people studying comedy. I can address this to people doing groups, uh, voices. You know, so that's why I'm all over the place with this conversation. But I'm glad you're directing me. But it's taking me to other places. I like uh, I that, though. That's, that's a great conversation, in my opinion. Well, you, I was getting to where uh, trying out for maybe a new comedy group in town. Uh, it was just a, a lackluster attempt by somebody who says, oh, you put people together and you got a group. And so they had no background to say, we need people who know when to let other people talk and when something funny isn't going on, so the change thing. And so I tried out for this one group and 50 of us showed up and they were going to pare it down to five or six people in the group. So each time they gave us an improv to do. And they said, okay, uh, uh, you know, Greg, you're with this group and you're in a factory. 
And so I made it that I was the guy putting the toys in the Cracker Jack boxes. <laughs> so I'd say, hey, this is this whistle too big, you know, or something. Just something to make it funny in the scene. You know, I said, yeah. And then I go, oh, I lost my watch. You know, <laughs> it turns into, you know, you got to dig out the watch somewhere in all the Cracker Jack boxes. And then they brought up other people to try it. And they said, okay, you're in a park. And whatever happens, happens. Well, it turns out every time, I think they tried out three times with different people on suggestion. And each one of them came up and said, uh, hey, baby, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> and and they're acting like they're a hooker in a park. <laughs> I'm like, you know, is that it? <laughs> now what do you do? You know, yeah. the guy says, yeah, let's go to your place. <laughs> but that's it. So, yeah, to see the creativity involved. Uh, I, I go beyond that with looking f uh, for something creative in the uh, space and doing something with it. But that's my training. But yeah. that's what I'm seeing. You know, if somebody says they're going to do a comedy movie. Like, so where's the comedy? And who let this thing out to be seen? So that's another reason why I look at movies and say, well, I'm not in any movies. I've done TV. I, I was in Silver Spoons. As as a character, a taxi driver. Right. But uh, uh, and I was in Knots Landing as an office worker who gets coffee spilled on him. And, you know, typical silly stuff within a serious show. Right. Uh, but movies, yeah, I, I haven't had anybody say we're doing a movie and we need somebody who can do something funny like this. You know, they might have their idea, but until I do, I'm knocking on doors and saying, you need this, you need that. Right. That, that's something I'd like to do too. So people looking to get in touch with you, you know, I wasn't able to find you on uh, social media unless I'm just looking in the wrong places. What's the best way for uh, people to get into contact with you? Well, uh, directly through email for me. Uh, it took me a few years to put different bits and pieces together that I send out uh, to market myself, uh, the uh, demos that I have, because sometimes the talk show hosts say, hey, can we hear a demo of what you do so we get familiar? But now that they hear these type of interviews, uh, I, I take any inquiries through my email or else on Facebook, it's called I Do Voices. And uh, on email, it's I Do Voices at yahoo.com. Okay. Anybody who has an idea, who has a question, and all that. Uh, as time permits, I can get to it for bookings. Uh, then I do convention bookings uh, through my appearance managers at uh, CelebWorks is what that's called, but it's spelled C-E-L-E-B-W-O-R-X. And that's okay. a site that's on uh, online. They have hundreds of everybody from anime to uh, action movies and and that so very few family uh, conventions go on for family entertainment. So that's kind of why I get buried in some of these conventions, unless it's a it's not going to be a superhero kind of thing. If they want somebody like myself, uh, the guy who does Barney, Bob West, is with him as well, and he gets a call here and there. But uh, most of these conventions go with these. You know, anime people or the comic book writers and things like that. I, actually, let me let me promote. Well, I, I don't have the full details yet because they'll be putting it out closer to the time. 
But Nebraska, look out for me in April, late April. There's going to be a convention that I'm going to be at. I just don't have the details yet. And uh, who knows what can happen between now and then. But I will. I do conventions in case people want me. If they want to do a panel, then again, I could do a panel and demonstrate what I do or answer the questions about getting into voiceovers, or I can do what I do in public speaking and talk about myself for a while of my career and then bring up how little tricks of uh, how to get your own goal that you've always wanted. You'll have to let us know as that approaches. We can uh, help promote that and uh, get the word out. Sounds great. Yeah, because, again, uh, this was recently set up, and they're going to promote it more uh, closer to the date. But then again, with the pandemics and all that, if anything ever throws it off, that's why I wouldn't say anything about it for for right now. But a little heads up maybe for those in the Midwest to go in there. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, I do conventions. I do uh, public appearances. I, I was brought into schools. You know, the, 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 there was uh, a friend that I had, another friend that was a teacher, and they had a second grade class and they had a senior class. And they brought me in for both of them. Uh, I says, well, you know, I can show the second graders my silly voices. They wouldn't know any of them who they were, but. I could do them because then they could read books and do that. And then within, we did some improv. So that I could do in my sleep. So I said, they, they said, our, our kids here do characters within improv. So I said, oh, I love improv. Let's go and do something. They said, okay, this one's this. And then they'd show me how they do their improv. And then I would say something about it, saying, see that, you know. Isn't it, you know, you guys are great listeners because you heard this person say this and all that. And and they weren't going for the hookers in the park either. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fun. I couldn't wait to see it. I The little kid's going, come on over to my place, honey. But, <laughs> yeah, it would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a walking party. I could have, I would have thought, oh, you know, don't just have fun and put the wrong things in the wrong places and say, uh, do Gilbert Godfrey doing Groucho Marx as an old guy instructing comedy to little kids. (laughs) 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 First, you have to wait for the laugh. And after they laugh, count to three. And then you say something again. Take all day. That is pretty damn good. I mean, I've I've heard uh, Gilbert do Groucho before, and you just doing uh, Gilbert doing Groucho, even that, spot on. Yeah, it's it's fun. Well, that's the the challenge I get as it's that. How incredible, man. Greg, thank you so much for taking time tonight to be here and talk with us. This has been a blast. You you said a little bit earlier in a joking way, I'm a one-man party, but damn if it's not the truth. Yeah. Well, I've been to parties where a lot of other people were boring, so I had to entertain myself in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, once again, man, thanks so much for being here. We're going to put uh, links. I know you have a cameo. We'll put a link to that, and we'll put uh, links to upcoming conventions and uh, your email up so people can get a hold of you. But thank you so much for taking time to be here tonight, man. Thanks to both of you, Randy and uh, Jeremy. 
How, how do you spell your last name, Jeremy? Because I got Randy's here. My last name is K-A-H-L-E. Oh, okay. Pronounced Kahle. Ah, I had a, yeah, I had a uh, teacher in uh, school, grade school. That was his last name. Well, if you're from, yeah, you're if if it was in Ohio, there's a good fa- uh, possibility it's out of my family somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, yeah, he was Frank Collie, and then I think he moved to Florida after that to work in a clothing uh, store or something like that. I'll have to look up long lost Uncle Frank, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, he's in his seventies now, but, but yeah, he's a teacher huh. in sixth grade. Well, great talking to you guys. Thanks for having me on too. Uh, Always a pleasure. Otherwise, I'd have to sit here and interview myself. (laughs) The pleasure is all ours. What a blast this has been. We'll have to do it again in the future. Anytime. Awesome. Well, hey, have a good night, Greg. Thank you. Keep in touch. All right, and there's our conversation with Greg Berg. Randy, I mean, come on. I, I don't. <laughs> That's think a unique one for Candare. Th- that is, and I don't think you and I have gotten put on our ass that much with like voice, like the look in our eyes, like holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> the ability that he yeah. has. I mean, again, you know, like we said with him, we've had so many different voice actors on the show, but um, also like voice match, someone yeah. who can voice yeah. like you know. a a large variety of different comedians, uh, actors, radio personalities. As you guys have heard, how incredible. Uh, He'd be cool just to sit around and have some beers with, that's for sure. (laughs) If you could even get the beer down, you'd probably be (laughs) laughing too hard. But anyway, be sure to check out Greg Berg on IMDb. And what, What did he say the email was again? I can't even remember right now having just recorded it i'll i'll have it on the post the details because i'll have edited this in the uh, i do again. voices i do voices at yahoo.com i believe i think that was it uh but double check the notes to this episode just to be sure and uh, keep an eye out for when he's going to be at that con i can't where where was it again uh, i believe it was in nebraska nebraska midwest yeah i think yeah. i think you're right though i think said nebraska but as we get those details as we get closer We'll share those. I hope he comes to Ohio because I'd love to uh, catch up with him in person. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But so a big thanks to Greg once again for joining us tonight. And Randy, what do we have on the website? Go to CandarePodcast.com. Check out our past episodes, our special guests we've had on. Uh, and if you're interested in coming on the show, send us a message on our contacts page. Yes, sir. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air. And uh, once again, want to show some support. The Patreon page, full of hours of content. You get your money's worth for sure. I would certainly hope so. <laughs> you know, when we started saying that, I was like, man, I don't know. But all these years later, yeah, there's a yeah. bunch of good stuff <laughs> on there. And uh, our merch, t-shirts, hats, beanies, windbreakers, hoodies, stickers, mugs, about anything you can think of with the Candare logo on it and other designs made by a show patron and damn good friend, Joshua Bellis, on there. So check out that merchandise. Uh, what am I forgetting? Evergreenpodcast.com. Evergreenpodcast.com. I never forget Evergreen. It's just kind of that's a... That's ri- a nudge for me to get off my ass It's just something. A, yeah, the rigmarole. <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> like, Randy, it's your turn to say something. So. <laughs> but all right, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I am Randy Hardenbrook. Be excellent to each other. puppy oh no don't run it'll only make things worse mutt 
Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. This has been a Canned Air production. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.